Welcome to the NutraCast, a production by Nutra Ingredients USA. I'm Danielle Masterson. Thank you for joining me here on the NutraCast, where we talk and share insights from inside the nutrition industry. When you picture a farmer, what, or should I say who, comes to mind? White landowners possess 98% of all farmland and 95% of farmers are white. Today, there are fewer than 50,000 black farmers in America, a far cry from the nearly 1 million who farmed back in 1920. But Evo Hemp is hoping to change that by leveling the farming fields. The Hemp Nutrition Company recently partnered with 40 Acre Cooperative to support historically disadvantaged hemp farmers. Together, they hope to make USA-grown hemp food and CBD products more affordable and accessible for everyone. Joining me now to tell us more about this partnership is Ari Sherman, co-founder of Evo Hemp. Hi, Ari, and welcome to the NutraCast. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me. Uh, why don't you give us some background on Evo Hemp? Absolutely. So Evo Hemp is a food and supplement company based in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, it was co-founded with my business partner, Jordan Samuel and myself, and really got interested in industrial hemp, actually kind of from a farming perspective. Back in college, Jordan and I were learning about the and, and benefits of industrial hemp, you know, not only from an environmental perspective, because it uses a lot less water than a lot of its competing crops, like cotton or soybeans, and then also for the farmers as well. We were learning uh, up in Canada, where the hemp farmers were growing for mostly hemp seeds, uh, were earning over four times the amount of income per acre than our farmers here in the states growing corn, wheat, and soy. And because of federal laws, it was still illegal for hemp to be grown here in the U.S. So Jordan and I thought, you know, this is kind of an outdated, ridiculous law. And we were actually able to import those seeds up from Canada and bring them here to Colorado and manufacture them into various food products. But we couldn't, you know, source them locally here in the United States because that was still federally illegal. And so Jordan and I, you know, my, my mom actually kind of introduce us to the nutritional benefits of, of the hemp seed. I should give her some credit for that. Uh, Gotta you know, do that. Absolutely. Shout out to the mom. Um, <laughs> she really introduced us, you know, the hemp seed itself is a, an incredible source of plant-based protein, one of the most nutritionally complete foods out there. Your body can literally survive off of just eating hemp seeds and water and drinking water because it has all those essential amino acids, all the essential fatty acids, incredible mineral profile, just really great food. And because it had been demonized, you know, along with the cannabis plant over the last hundred years, you know, it, it really was virtually erased from our grocery stores at couple companies up in Canada, you know, we're, we're importing seeds out here and, and selling them, but that was really it. And so Jordan and I got really passionate and excited about, you know, just kind of reintroducing hemp foods into the American diet, and then also kind of reintroducing, you know, attempting to reintroduce hemp farming here in the U.S. as well. So this was in 2012. And so we, we started by importing our seeds uh, into our small little kitchen here in Boulder and, and hand pressing these nutrition bars. So really kind of highlighted those, those health benefits that I just mentioned and selling them into our local food stores here in Colorado and eventually we're able to kind of expand across the country with those uh, and then luckily we're able to work with uh, what is our current governor of Colorado right now Jared Polis a congressman of Boulder at the time but Jared was also really passionate about uh, advancing hemp and cannabis legislation on a federal level and, and so we started going up to Washington DC kind of sampling our bars to Congress Senate and their staff you know really trying to educate them on you know the difference between industrial health 
hemp and, and maybe a, a medical or recreational version of cannabis. And so that was really exciting. And, and Jared, uh, along with his colleagues, were successful in 2014 in, in passing a farm bill that included a piece of legislation allowing farmers on a state-by-state basis to start cultivating industrial hemp and, and, and commercializing the crops that they were growing. So we went back to Colorado and kind of put together the very first uh, hemp food processing center here locally, just outside of Boulder, and you know found a couple of farmers willing to take that first leap into growing industrial hemp and you know got our seeds into the state so that they could start cultivating it. And you know it was really exciting to be able to kind of start building that industry kind of from the ground up. And then eventually, as the non-psychoactive cannabinoid market, the CBD market, really started expanding, you know, across the country and people really finding tremendous benefits from these non-psychoactive cannabinoids. We were really excited to become a part of that. So we uh, partnered up with a gentleman named Alex Whiteplume back in 2017. Alex was actually really cool history himself with with hemp farming. Back in 1999, he started growing industrial hemp uh, on the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota. Alex is one of the few speakers of the Oglala Lakota language still. Uh, less than 300 of them up there in, in Pine Ridge. And, and Alex thought, what a great opportunity to grow industrial hemp right there uh, on the Pine Ridge Reservation and really bring this incredible economic driver to his family and his community. Uh, but unfortunately, the, right before they're about to have their first harvest, the federal government shows up with helicopters and repelling down from ropes with machine guns in hand to raid this little two-acre family farm that was trying to just grow industrial hemp for fiber purposes go into clothing and, and so on. And unfortunately put an injunction on Alex and threatened to put him and his family in prison if they were found growing hemp on their land again, even though it's technically sovereign land. But you know, luckily that injunction was lifted after that farm bill had passed. And so that's when we got connected with Alex and we're able to work with him and his family on, on creating a line of CBD products, tinctures and soft gels cultivated by himself and his family and team. So that was really exciting opportunity. And that's kind of what, you know, was always driven, you know, Evo Hemp, not only trying to bring really great nutritious products to the market, but also really highlight these incredible farming stories because this plant really does impact, you know, not just the customers, but the people that are growing it. Just going back to Alex, I mean, I assume he and his family and his business are doing okay. Yeah, absolutely. Alex, you know, their whole mission kind of from day one was, you know, produce their own line of branded products that would all be, you know, grown right there on the reservation, produced right there on the reservation, um, you know, really employed the family that's up there. So, you know, over the last couple of years or so, we've, you know, kind of split ways as him and his family have gone created their own line of branded products. And, you know, we, we still, you know, love keeping in touch with them and seeing them grow and also seeing Alex's daughter kind of take over. And she's also, you know, they're a really strong, powerful leaders in the Native American community here in the U.S. And they've got a lot of education and knowledge behind them already. And they're already going out there and, you know, teaching other uh, reservations and tribal leaders uh, about the benefits of industrial hemp. The Farm Bill has really transformed so many lives what has it been like kind of watching the evolution of your business just in the last 10 years? It's been really fun. You know, it's just when Jordan and I started going to the natural food trade shows 10 years ago, 
people thought we kind of were, they didn't really know what hemp really was. They'd come up to our booth and say like, you know, this is like rope, right? Like, is there, we were trying to, you know, promote this food product, but even, you know, at the time in 2012, people really didn't even know that you, you could eat hemp seeds or there was a benefit to it. And, you know, once that started getting some traction and then even more as CBD kind of took over the natural food and, and, and holistic landscape, it tremendously propelled the plant across the country. The amount of uh, farmers and, and land now that grown to this day is, is really amazing. It's quite shocking today. I have very different conversations with those same folks at those natural food shows or, you know, just randomly when I get into a car and talk to a complete stranger, just the amount of knowledge that they have of the benefits of hemp today versus 10 years ago is, is, is pretty incredible. That is. And so you highlighted a farming story about Alex. Talk to me about 40 Acre Cooperative. What is that and how did your partnership with them come about? 40 Acre Co-op is this really incredible. It's, it's, it's a first Black-owned nationwide farming cooperative since the Reconstruction era. Started by husband and wife team, Angela and Harold. Really how I first found out about them, it got introduced to them also through, through a mutual friend who knew our passion for really great hemp products. Uh, and this was about a year and a half ago. And, and learning about Angela's story, which really stems from you know, a, a lot of similar uh, Black farming stories where she decided to go back to the land and quit her previous job and decided to become a farmer and, and met her current partner, Harold. And they decided to go out and try to qualify for some grants and some federal government programs so that they could fund their farm. They, they live in Minnesota. Uh, so they went to their local USDA branch and tried to apply for a number of said you know, financial aid programs to help get farmers off the ground. And unfortunately, even though Angela went through all the processes, she was denied on every single grant and loan application that she got. And unfortunately, this is a very common story in Black community. And she kind of turned to the co-op as a way to kind of fund things themselves and, and a way to turn to the community to pool resources together so that they don't have to rely on the USDA and, and other federal aid programs and, and they can work to support each other. And that's what she created the 40 acre co-op and it now has over 35 members across the country. And these are real farmers that grow various crops and uh, take care of various animals. And they also have a really strong passion for industrial hemp as well. They also saw hemp as an incredible economic driver for specifically for these small family farms. And industrial hemp specifically uh, is great on a small scale and a large scale. So a lot of crops today, the way they're mechanized, they're really only profitable uh, once you've reached you know, hundreds of thousands of acres of land. With industrial hemp and high CBD hemp, there's ways to make just a few acres profitable. And so it, they were able to develop their own strains and create their own farming practices and all doing all organic regenerative methods and really giving back and taking care of the land and doing things on a small boutique scale and, and sharing that knowledge with their co-op members. Um, and it's been really incredible. And, and that's what really kind of drew Jordan and myself 
their story is, you know, they're really embodying uh, the benefits of this plan and what it can really do. Yeah. Speaking of strains, tell me about the Wonder Woman strain and the significance behind it. Wonder Woman is a strain that Harold and Angela and their team uh, has developed in-house. So with hemp, there is uh, thousands of different varieties of hemp and and they're all grown for various purposes. You have your uh, high fiber varieties that grow really tall and that's what's made with for hemp clothing. You have your seed varieties that are kind of shorter and they look more like little short Christmas trees and they produce a lot of uh, the, the, the seeds. Um, and then also even the smaller ones are would be the extract varieties. These are the ones that people are growing for the, the high CBD, uh, high cannabinoid varieties. And so all the end product really kind of starts with the quality of the genetics of the actual plant. It's a very sensitive plant where small genetic variations or environmental conditions will drastically impact the end product. So when you're trying to, you know, create something that's really effective for the end consumer, um, and that's going to give them, um, that really that effect that they're looking for, you, you have to go and start with the really best genetics that you can possibly find. Uh, so Angela and her team, they, they spent years, honestly, uh, what, what's called pheno hunting, and that's searching through various varieties of different plants and looking for specific characteristics that uh, you're looking for, whether it's, you know, specific terpene profiles, and, and those can have various benefits, as well as the cannabinoid profiles, the combinations of CBD mixed in with uh, maybe CBG cannabigerol or, or CBN cannabinol. The blend of these cannabinoids and terpenes work together to create this really cool synergistic effect. Uh, it's quite powerful for a lot of folks. And so what they did was they combined a couple of different strains. Um, one's called cherry wine, which is very common strain in, in the CBD hemp world. It's what a lot of strains were created off of. They combined it with another one that's called sweet wife, actually. Um, and so there you can kind of see where the Wonder Woman name kind of comes from, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a CBD uh, dominant sativa variety that, that really grows well in a lot of different climates. It's, it's very stable and kind of good for that first time grower. So as they're, you know, sharing these genetics with their new co-op members, you know, it gives them a consistent strain to grow. Where can we find this strain at? Um, you can go directly to uh, 40acre.coop um, and, and reach out to them directly. Okay. Talk to me about the goals of this partnership. What are you hoping to get out of it? Well, I really want to, you know, first and foremost, just kind of spread the education uh, and awareness, uh, not only of the benefits of industrial hemp farming, but just of the awareness of the marginalized farmers in this country, you know, we, we find a lot of passion in, in highlighting, like I said, these, these stories that uh, need to be told. They're not necessarily being told today uh, about, you know, Black and Indigenous farmers and the kind of the trials and tribulations that, that go along with it. And some of these conversations are hard to have. A lot of people, you know, including myself, um, I'm not a Black man and I, I do not speak for any of them. But, you know, I can help provide platforms to give people voices 
so that their stories can be heard and I can try to connect other people that, you know, feel strongly and passionately about these topics and really give them a platform. So I, I think that's what I'm most excited about is, is providing this platform so that these stories can be told and, you know, more people can say, hey, you know, they look just like me or, you know, I've always thought about getting into the farming industry, but because of the stigma around it or, or the hurdles that are there, I did not want to get into it. And the true facts are today, the average age of a farmer, you know, black or white is, is around 60 years old. And, you know, young people don't really find it, you know, cool, or they, they, they don't see that they can make a lot of money and taking over their family farm and, and here at Evo Hemp, we've always wanted to, you know, try to turn that around and, and try to reverse that number. I, I would love to see that number go from 60 to 50 uh, to, to 40 as the average age of a farmer. Or I, I'd like to see that number of Black farmers in this country go from a couple percent to five to 10 percent. You know, it, it, more representative the the culture that we actually live in and kind of eliminate some of this social stigma, not only around the cannabis plant, but around farming in general. I'm curious, because hemp and CBD are new-ish, are younger people, do you think, getting involved in the hemp industry specifically? Absolutely. Uh, You know, it, it comes from just my personal experience with starting to cultivate and I became way more passionate about my food and, and where it's grown and how it's grown from uh, hemp and cannabis. And I, I know a lot of young people that get into farming from, from hemp and cannabis. And, and we're going to continue to see that trend grow. If, you know, there was just a, the NOCO Hemp Expo and, you know, there was a very strong presence of young people. And this is a really cool expo where it's a combination of, you know, brands and and farmers, you know, farming equipment and manufacturers. And so it's really connecting kind of this counterculture, you know, young demographic with a very, you know, old traditional industry. And it's, it's, it's neat to see. Yeah, that is interesting to hear about. So you said Evo Hemp was started back in 2012. Was the problem with the lack of diversity in farming and some of the challenges that Angela told you about? I mean, was that something that was even on your radar 10 years ago? To be completely honest, no. I'm I'm sure it was in my mind, but the real drive from day one was the, the small farmer. And so, you know, you could, uh, you could say yes, too, at the same time, because the small farmer really does represent, you know, the black farmer or the indigenous farmer, they're discriminated against the same. And the hurdles a lot of the times are the same. And the decline a lot of time was the same as well. So what we saw, which Jordan and I were getting into this space was those exact numbers, whether it was a black farmer or a white farmer, the average age was nearing 60 years old. And there was clearly a way for industrial hemp uh, and cannabis to kind of reverse a lot of these trends. And a lot of the same hurdles that Black and Indigenous farmers face when you're talking about getting federal loan programs or getting financial aid from the government, especially once, you know, something happens like a a, a pandemic or uh, trade wars happen. Uh, It hurts the small family farmer, just like it hurts the Black and Indigenous farmer. So I, I think our mission was always one and the same. 
Yeah. Talk to me about some of the challenges that you faced. I mean, we had a trade war with China. We're coming out of a pandemic, supply chain issues. There's, there's so many things going on. What has been the most challenging for you? Well, definitely coming from a grocery retail heavy background, the pandemic impacted us uh, dramatically. You know, a lot of the retailers we worked with, big and small, honestly, what you know, went out of business or had such uh, bad financial constraints that honestly, they took a lot of their distribution from, you know, thousand brands to 200 brands. Um, it's, it's put a lot of constraint on the brick and mortar retail world uh, across the sector. And as a brand who, you know, really built their name in, in you know, the Whole Foods and, and Costco, and a lot of these you know, small independent co-ops that were, were across the country that were you know, a lot of the backbone, you know, of, of our brand and, and the way that we connected with this, our customers. I mean, honestly had to close their businesses over the last few years uh, because of that constraint. Um, it, it's, it's been a big issue. And then, you know, when you look at uh, supply issues, you know, just getting materials in from overseas, you know, we've all seen, you know, the cost of containers to ship containers, double, triple, quadruple over the last couple of years. And it, it's been a big challenge. And luckily, we've had, you know, an incredible group of passionate consumers uh, that have been supporting us for many years, you know, via our website, evohemp.com, and and continue to kind of, you know, be our life support as a brand and as a business. Um, And so with a lot of companies, you you see a lot of us, you know, shift their models more to the direct consumer uh, business where we, uh, you know, speak to our customers directly and, you know, we're not working with a lot of the retailers or distributors and, it, you know, it, there's a lot of challenges in that as a, as a business, but also presents new opportunities and, and ways to, you know, really connect with your customers and, and, and build a brand that, you know, is meaningful and create products that are actually impacting that consumer and, and, and ways that, you know, we, we couldn't have that visibility you know, worth, with working with such large distribution and retail networks. Mm-hmm. So what is next for Evo Hemp? Are there any updates or news or anything that you'd like to share? We're really passionate about, you know, continuing our, our, our partnership with the 40 Acre Co-op and Angela and Harold. They have a really great uh, yearly event coming up on Juneteenth that they put together on their farm. Um, so really excited to go out there and, and spend some time with them there. Also, Angela, uh, Harold, and myself and my business partner, Jordan, are putting together a, a nonprofit that will also have a podcast attached to it to raise awareness uh, for food sovereignty and food security here in the United States. So that's going to be really exciting. We're going to be bringing on guests and covering topics uh, around food security and, and, and food deserts and nonprofits and, and, and businesses and community leaders alike that are working towards kind of eliminating some of these food deserts, providing access to healthy quality of foods um, in inner cities. And that's kind of what uh, we're, we're really passionate about right now. Hemp certainly has a way of unifying people. Ari Sherman, co-founder of Evo Hemp. It's been a pleasure. And thank you so much for joining me here on the NutriCast and highlighting some of these farming stories. It was a real pleasure and I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. 
If you like what you just heard, you could subscribe to the NutraCast wherever you get your podcast. You can also head to NutraIngredients-USA.com for even more Nutra-related content. Thank you for listening. I'm Danielle Masterson. As always, I'll catch you here on the NutraCast next week.